0: Matthew chapter 5, and uh, today I want to share with you something really you might be familiar with and you've probably heard something about it. It's called the greatest sermon that was ever preached. It was Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount whenever he got on top of this uh, big hill and he started preaching, he came out of the crowd and he started preaching to them. But before you look at this, I just want you to think about a couple of things with me. Jesus was a radical. He was, he was a radical. He did not go with the flow of what was happening. In fact, anybody that was stuck in a certain mode or flow, he totally aggravated them. I mean, he, he aggravated the church at that time, which was the synagogue, the, the temple. He aggravated them. He aggravated Romans. He aggravated thieves. He aggravated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he aggravated all kinds of people. You know, we tend to like see. You know, we see when we see pictures of Jesus, we tend to see like this Chuck Norris-looking guy. You know, he's got the beard and, the, you know, he has a certain look about him. And most of the times, he's white, which he was not white. Um, he was Palestinian, or he was. You know, he was of that of that that group of people, and uh, so he was very dark-skinned. He would not have, you know, had the nice trimmed beard like you might see in some of the, you know, some of the pictures that you see of Jesus. And when he spoke, he did not say what people expected to hear, okay? He said things that really upset people. You know, I feel like if I ever preach a sermon and somebody gets mad at me, I'm in good company. Because I probably said the truth and you didn't want to hear it. So, but Jesus did that a lot. I mean, you know, there were people, I mean, one time he was preaching and he read a scripture out of the Old Testament and then he told him it was fulfilled today and they tried to kill him right there on the spot. So, Jesus was a radical. Say that with me Jesus was a radical. And he still is a radical. This message that you're about to, hit, that we're going to get into over the next several weeks, listen, this, this, was not, this is what, not what anybody expected to hear from him. This is not. This was not a user-friendly, seeker-friendly message to the people of that day because what he talks about goes totally contrary to the world system of that day. And not only does it go totally contrary to the world system of that day, it goes totally contrary to the world system of our day. So as we look at this, I hope we can I hope we can keep perspective here that Jesus, what he's talking about, the things that he's saying, you know, because traditionally we have certain images in our mind, you know, from movies we've seen or or pictures we've looked at about the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus up talking, but and how that uh, you know the crowd was just all in awe of everything he was saying. Well, there were lots of people that didn't like this. Is the as far as we know, this is the only in-depth sermon, at least that's recorded that uh, we have uh, that Jesus spoke. Now, he preached the same sermon again when he got down on a level plain area, and you read about that in the book of Luke. And so he had the same points in his message that he had in this message. Is everybody with me right now? So he starts it out, you know, in verse 1 and 2, and we'll go ahead and just look at that just for the sake of uh, that we've seen the multitudes. He went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We'll just stop right there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, next week we'll get into the next part of this, but why, what, what is it about this blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that's so powerful? Well, first of all, if you look at all of the other, what they call beatitudes, which beatitudes is just a Latin word for blessing. If you look at all these other things that he says, the first one is the only one that you have right now, okay? If you look at it, you see that he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is. Is is current, right? That's right now. But when he talks about the mourner, he says they shall be, which is not, necessarily right now but is a future tense idea right most of I think all the others when you look at them it says shall be shall be shall be shall be will be which all means future but this first one he says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is right now the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've heard this preached all kinds of different ways, and I'm sure many of you have too. And when you would look out on the surface, you would go, well, he's talking about that we need to be poor. That we need to be poor. And this is not what Jesus is talking about here. And if you, if you really study this out, and even the wording that he's using in the Greek language, he's not referring to the finances that you have. Okay? He's talking about being poor in spirit. Okay, being poor in spirit. The word poor here means to be in a position of need. A position of need. So you could read it like this. Blessed are those who are in a position of need. Now let's take it a step further. Let's go a little deeper here. Not only is he saying blessed are those who are in a position of need, but he's also saying blessed are those who are in a position of need and have no place else to go. Have no place else to go. And you'll find this word used throughout the New Testament in different places where they might use the word beggar. You know, a beggar in that day had no place else to go but to other people for help. Didn't have, you know, didn't have a home to go to. You know, thank God that most of us here that are younger have parents that can help us out if we're in trouble. Right? and that most of us that are older had parents that were around usually that if we needed a little bit of help we could go ask for help you know we could just say you know we we need i need some help you had some place to go right you could go to the bank and borrow money you could ask a friend for a loan you could you know do something you had some place to go but a beggar has no place to go all their resources you know are there are no resources available to them except to rely on someone else to take care of them. So when Jesus says, blessed are the beggars in spirit, those who are in a position that are in need and have nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. Now, let me tell you how that slaps totally against our attitude in society. See, in our society, we consider not having need of strength, don't we, right? In fact, we look at people that are in need like, go get a job, go do something about your problem, fix your situation. We don't look favorably. In fact, most of us would, you know, if we've not said it, we've thought it, or we've at least heard people say it is, I don't take charity, Right? I'll work for it, but I won't take care. I'm just not going to let you give to me. I'm just not going to let you give me something. Or we'll say crazy stuff like, you didn't have to do that or, you know, don't do that or I can't take that or whatever. But see, because in our thinking, the way we live our lives is, is that we look at it that we're really strong if we don't need anybody to help us. And we really do. We think that's a powerful position to be in. I'm self-sufficient. I got all the money I need. I got all the food I need. I got all the peace I need. I got everything. I'm covered. But the Lord is saying, that's not right. First of all, here's the real dilemma. When you get in the book of Revelation, you read about him, and I don't have time to turn there this morning, but when you get in the book of Revelation, you read about these people that talk about they're self sufficient was one of the churches. And this is what he said. This is what Jesus Christ himself said. Did you see how he's such a radical? You say, I have wealth, I have riches, I have houses, I have, I have everything that I need. And the Lord said, in response to that, he said, but you're blinded because you're wretched and you're miserable. and you need to come you need to repent and you need to turn back to me i'd say that's pretty radical especially you know someone sitting with a whole bunch of money in the bank and debt free and all the things that you know that we would might be thinking are wealth and the lord saying look you think you're all right but you're not all right see that's why we know he's not he's not talking about finances here he's talking about your attitude. He's talking about the attitude of the people, that our attitude, the key, and I call this the key to the kingdom of heaven, that our attitude is the key to being able to receive the things that God has for us in his kingdom. Now, when I say that, we go back to what he said. Blessed, happy, fortunate, it's a good thing, are those who are in a position of need and have nowhere else to go. That's an attitude that you have to, because you, because when you have a need, you start thinking about where you can go get that need met, don't you? Right. Oh, yeah. We all do that. That's our human nature. But here's what the Lord wants you to, here's how God wants us to deal with it. He wants us to get into a position where our attitude towards him is, Lord, there are lots of places I could go, but I really don't have any place to go because the only place I can get the answers I need are from you. Are from you. Are from you. Huh. A.W. Tozer, he made a really powerful statement. He said, Jesus taught, blessed are the poor in spirit, but in the Our society, we have more. uh, We have shed more accolades on those who are prideful, who feel that they're taken care of. I can hand, you know, it's our own pride that says, "I don't want help." It's our own pride that tries to make us look like we're right. You know, um, I don't have time to turn to this this morning because I. uh, You can look this up, but did you know in Ezekiel chapter sixteen, when God was speaking there? He talked about the sin of Sodom. Now, you know, you and I, when we think of Sodom, we think about the sin of perversion, sexual perversion. That's what we would think about. But, but I want you to know that when God spoke in Ezekiel 16 to the, to the, to the people, he, to the Israelites, he said, look, you're committing the sin of Sodom, and this is what he said the sin of Sodom was, you're prideful. In fact, nowhere. In fact, he says, he said, here's, the, here's your problem. You're prideful and you're full of food. You're full of food. And you're too idle. You're too. Well, I'm just being a radical this morning. We really look at Sodom and go, "Oh no, it was all that sexual perversion that was going on. That's what. No, no, The sexual perversion was a result of the pride, the fullness of food, and the idleness of hands because idle hands are the devil's playground friend. People get into trouble when they, when they're, when they're too idle, sitting around, you know. Like the one guy was telling me, he says, you know, he says, uh, well, when it gets quiet in my house, you know, and, and I'm by myself, and, and I have my computer, he says, I'm really tempted, and I start looking at pornography. I said, here's a way to fix it. Get rid of your computer. Well, well, I might look at it on my cell phone, and I say, I got a really easy answer for you. Get rid of your cell phone. Oh, my Lord, I don't know if I can do that. You know, demons start manifesting all of a sudden. Urgh, get the, get away from me! Don't tell me that. I need my phone. You know all the little excuses. Well, well I got to have that. I got to have it. I can't make it with baloney. So get rid of the internet. Just get rid of it. You can't handle it. Get rid of it. But see, pride. No, no, no. I, I can't. I can't. I can't do that. See, idleness will get you in a lot of trouble. Fullness of food will get you in a lot of trouble. You make bad decisions on a full stomach. Well, I know it's close to lunch, and you're not liking this message. Maybe I better get my other one out. No, blessed are the poor in spirit. Wow, Jesus himself said this. Blessed are those who are in need. And have nowhere else to go. That's an attitude in our world. I mean, we can always go to Google, right? Or we can YouTube it, or whatever we need to do. I mean, we can find the answer, you know. But here's the here's the, here's the thing, and, and 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 maybe you'll maybe you'll understand this. Maybe you won't. I I understand it. You know, when I started, I'd go tell a farm story. You know, Alicia Craig made a funny statement online. She said, "Well, I knew I was back in farm country when I hear the pastor talking about pigs." Uh, <laughs> See, there were things that I needed to know how to do that I had no idea how to do, all right? I didn't know how to breed a pig, so I called Gary Esther. And he came over and he showed me what to do, right? I was in need. Now, I didn't bring Gary Esther over to my house and say, Gary, I don't know what to do, but look, here's what I'm going to do, and then you just watch me do what I'm going to do. That isn't what I did, did is it? I said, Gary, you do it. Show me what to do, man. I do not know what to do. When I put up electric fence, I didn't know how to do electric fence. I never did. I'm a city boy. City boys never run electric fence, okay? <laughs> I, I, You know, I mean, I grew up on concrete. I didn't grow up on grass, okay? Well, I did have some grass, but it was not the kind you're thinking of. <laughs> I'm just shocked at how many of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but see, I don't know how to do that. I didn't know, you know, how to birth animals. So what did I do? I was in a place of total dependence on someone else to show me. I didn't come in and go, well, when Sharon gave birth, this is how it happened, and so I'm assuming that's how it'll happen with the uh, animals too, right? It ain't the same. To truly be poor in spirit, to unlock the things of the kingdom, we have to be in a place of total dependence, realizing in and of ourself that we do not have the answer. Now, you know, uh, in fire, my pastor who, um, I, we had a long discussion about this, he trained snipers in the military. And uh, he, was, he worked in shooting school. He helped guys that were struggling with their, you know, with their ability to uh, shoot their armament. And so he, he had certain things that he knew how to do. And one of the things that they have to teach you how to do, and any of you that were in the military or fire, that you, you deal with firearms and hunting, you have to calibrate the scopes on your on your weapons. You have to calibrate them when they don't come calibrated for you, okay? And you have to calibrate them. You have to there are settings that you have to change to be able to get that where it needs to be. because you know you're, you know if you you understand that uh, you know wind is different on different days, right? You know, the, the distance you're shooting is different. It's not, you know, a bullet will begin, you know, uh, when you shoot a firearm off, if you're at a longer distance, the the trajectory, there's more like this that's happening, so it's going to start having uh, attrition. You're going to have to raise the front of that a little bit. Well, all of that can be compensated by having the scope set to the right calibration, okay? Yeah, they call it doping in the military. So. When you, when you when you calibrate though, if you're going to do it right, you always start at, get this now, zero. You start at zero. You don't go, well, it looks like a three to me and this looks like a four to me and so I'm just going to go ahead and put it up. No, you go to zero and then a click at a turn, a click at a time, you begin to increase the calibration of your weapon, right? Are you, are you guys with me right now? So, when you calibrate it, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get your play, yourself to a place that what you're aiming at, now watch this, what you're aiming at is what you're going to hit. But you cannot get there without calibration. Isn't it interesting that the word that's used for sin in the Bible, in the New Testament, is a word that means in the Greek language to miss the mark. It means you're aiming at something, but you're not hitting it. You're falling short, some translations will say. That you keep trying... The only way that you're ever going to hit the mark is you've got to be recalibrated. You have to be recalibrated. And that can only start with going back to zero. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. I'm not coming to tell you, God, what I should do or what you should do. I'm coming and saying, I'm at zero. I'm at zero. Because it's in that moment, then, that God can begin to help you calibrate your life. So here's my question for you. When was the last time you were recalibrated? When was the last time? And what are you using as your, what are you trying to hit? You know, what's the template for what you're trying to be? I'm trying to be like my pastor. Well, don't be like me, be like Jesus. Don't don't try to, look, I'm human. Just be like Jesus. Well, let's all aim at the same target here. I wanna be a holy Man of God, like my Savior was. I want to be a powerful man of faith. I want to walk in the miraculous like my Savior did. Amen. That'll never happen unless I get back to zero. Let me tell you something. Uh, my, my pastor, this is what he had told me, he said that I teach in sniper school, and I also would teach the guys when they would shoot. He, he said, here's what I teach them. No matter how many, no matter what you had your settings at yesterday, put them back at zero today because today is a different day. The wind is different, the the distance is different, so you got to put it back to zero. This is why a lot of people don't get anything out of their Bible reading every day because you're not at zero when you are going into your Bible reading because your Bible reading should be your daily calibration. You open that book up, man, and I'm gonna tell you, if you read it for what it says, you will get calibrated. You'll move a click here, a click there. You'll read stuff like, you know, don't let any, I mean, don't let any idle word. Oh my Lord, well, that must not have been for me. That was for them. That's you know. Well, see, what you did is you're you've already predetermined your settings for the day. I'm not telling you that all the Bible will calibrate you, but I am telling you this, the truth will make you free. If you go to the Word and you're like, God, I need to know the truth today, calibrate me, get me in the right place. I'm at zero, Lord. I'm not coming in here with my own ideas, my own theology, my own predetermined course here, Lord. I'm just coming and saying, Lord, I need you to help me today. I need you to help me today. It's too easy for us to be self-sufficient in our relationship with God. God, you come alongside me and help me with what I'm doing. What a difference it makes when we say, "Lord, what do you want me to do?" And then you know you already got God involved. You already got God involved. You know when I coached in ba- in basketball, there was uh, there were certain Elements that I could help people with that are basics. They're just things that, you know, I could help them to straighten them out to get their get their shot back online. You know, they're aiming at a basket, but they're not hitting the basket, or they're you know they're doing something funky and that's that they're not able to get their shot. So there are just some basic things that I used to teach. I'm not going to go into all of them, but here's an important thing about calibration, and and I, I want you to get this. This is so important. You cannot just calibrate yourself. You need someone to help you. You say, well, the Lord is my help. Okay, that's good, and he will. But see, the other thing is, you need natural people around you to help calibrate you. Well, I don't know about that, preacher. I mean, I'll come to church when I want to, but I don't want you messing with my life. But see, I see the things, and elders see the things, not to judge you or to put you down, but to try to help you to fulfill your divine purpose in God. Pastor Barkley told me that when he was on the shooting range, one of the things that he noticed with people is that you cannot see what you're doing wrong all the time. Sometimes you got your arm out. Sometimes you're flinching. Sometimes there's things that you're doing Same thing with basketball. There were just certain elements that I could take and do the exact same and say, look, this is not right, this is not right, this is not right, straighten that out. Now, here's the thing. Never take my coat off so I look like I'm in fighting mode, okay? (laughs) Never, ever, ever, ever when I was teaching a young man or a young woman about how to do things the right way. Did I ever have one of them look at me and say, I'm leaving the team because of what you just said? (laughs) Never. In fact, every one of them would look at me and say, thank you. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for showing that to me. My pastor said that when he would teach those guys about shooting and he would say, look, get your arm in the right place they didn't look up at him and say, stop yelling at me. You're hurting my feelings. <laughs> right? Over at First Church, they are much nicer there. Now, I'm going over there because you keep telling us to tithe. And they don't tell us to tithe over there. You keep telling us to live holy, and they don't tell us that over there. They let us make up our own mind. Well, let's see how far you get with that. And yeah, it's a good preaching. Blessed are the poor. Where's your calibration today? Well, I've set it on this, and that's where it's staying till I'm dead. <laughs> huh? Do you know that the definition of insanity is to continue to do the wrong things and expect different, result, different results? To do the same thing over and over and over and over and over. I mean, is 2020 going to just be a repeat, rinse and repeat for this coming year? That's going to be the same exact thing as it was last year. Or are we going to go deeper? Are we going to go further? Are we, going to, are we just going to be kind of putzing along through this year like we did last year? And, you know, we'll get a little bit of spiritual whim once in a while, but one, most of the time we're pretty focused on other stuff. Or is this the year revival breaks out in your life, that you become the spiritual person that God always wanted you to be and everybody knew that you could be? Hallelujah. The Bible says that God dwells with the broken, Psalm 51, he dwells with the broken and the contrite heart. See, the key to walking in the kingdom is to bring nothing to the table and just say, Lord, here I am, calibrate me. See, some of you today, you came in here today and you had a certain setting in your life, and I'm messing with the setting. I'm messing with your, your aim. I, mess, I And that's okay. And you know what? You may not like it. I don't always like it. I was in a service one time. This actually happened. Sharon and I, we were, I, no, I don't think I was, we were married yet. We, I was in this service, and this guy was ministering to people at the altar. And he was praying, and I was in the back. It was a full gospel business. Maybe you were with me. We were, I was talking to this couple. And, man, we were laughing, and, you know, we were pretty far back, so we really weren't thinking a whole lot, you know, about what was going on at the altar. And, and this guy's praying, and all of a sudden the guy stops. And he says, "Listen. What you guys are doing in the back is an offense to God. Because these people are up here believing for a miracle, and whatever it is you think you've got to say is more important than what's happening right here. God's trying to change people's lives here at this altar, and you're out messing around doing something else." So he this way he said it. He said, "Look, you can go and have all the fun you want, or you can stay and pray. But you can't do both. And you know something inside of me just—Who does he think he is, staying that? See, that. when you're guilty, you get weird, right? Huh? You know, the Bible calls it. It talks about them guys got mad at at. Uh, Stephen, they started gnashing their teeth. I've seen a little bit of that in the sermon today. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for us, Martha. We're never coming back here again. Hope there's no Marthas. Well, but see, it bugged me. I didn't like it because you know what? what? He was right, and I knew he was right, and I absolutely hated that he was right, but I got to make a choice right at that moment. Do I calibrate to zero and start over? Or do I stay at that setting the rest of my life and miss out on everything God wants to do? See, that's the key to the kingdom right there. That's the key right there. I mean, you know, all these others that are really awesome, you know, the morning you'll be comforted, and oh, none of them will really work <laughs> unless we get through this one. Blessed are those who happy and fortunate are those who are in need and have nowhere else to go. Because they are going to, theirs today is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when was the last time you were recalibrated, that you went to zero? You know, some of you, you agree with me on this, that there are times in your prayer life when something that you're really believing God for doesn't change until you say, I give up. Has anybody had that experience? I mean, all of a sudden, you just go, "Uh, God, I don't know what to do. I quit. I give up. That's it. I'm done. I I have fought as long as I can fight. I'm tired of dealing with this. I quit. Bing! You know what just happened? You went to zero. You went to zero in your prayer life. Now God says, I can help you. When was the last time you were recalibrated? What are you using as your point of reference for that calibration? What are you shooting at? What are you aiming for in your life? And who's helping you? Who are you letting help you? Who are you willing to let help you? Well, I'm strong pastor, I'll be fine, I'm okay, everything's cool. Well, welcome to 2019. 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. But what God wants to do in our lives is he's waiting on us. Because, see, God isn't going to come down and calibrate you, friend, until you set the settings to zero. So you set the settings to zero. I want you to stand with me if you would. Thank you, Lord. Blessed, happy, fortunate. Are those who have don't have the answer and don't know where to go to get it, have no place to turn to. And the reason we're blessed and we're happy and we're fortunate is because in that position, ours is the kingdom of heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I love that. I believe that'll be a real theme throughout this year for people. Because it doesn't say, thy kingdom come, my will be done. (laughs) My will be done on earth but it's what is it you want, Lord? What is it you want? See, some of you have told, you already told God, I won't serve in any area of ministry. You've already told God I'm not tithing. You've already told God I'm only going to go to church when I feel like it. You've already told God that if somebody says something that offends me, I'm out of here. You've already told God all of that. See, and that's going to be a problem for you this year. It's going to be a problem for you. If I get corrected one more time, that's it, I'm out. I'm leaving the usher team, I'm out of the church, I'm gone, I'm history. There are all kinds of people through the years that I've watched walk out the doors because they needed to recalibrate, but they decided to hold on to whatever it was and walk out the door with it. And they're experiencing 2019 and 2018 and 2017. Aren't you just getting a little tired of going around the same mountain in your life? Huh? The same track? Gosh, I've been here before in my spiritual life, and here I am again. Ugh. I shared a little bit of this on TV yesterday because it was a, it's such a strong word in my heart right now. But it's a strong word in my heart for me. It's too, hard, it's too easy for me knowing what I know to set my own calibrations because of my experience. I mean, I've been doing ministry for 40 years. That's a long time, 40 years. I've had a lot of different calibration settings during that time. But what God says is, it's a new day. Get to zero, son. I'm about to take you where... Supernatural increase is about to flow through your life. The key of the kingdom is being handed to you today, my friend. You're going to have to decide what you're going to do with it. Blessed are those who don't know what to do, have nowhere else to go, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Bow your heads with me, if you would. You know, all over the building today, if you're in a place in your life right now where, first of all, you'd say, look, Pastor, I am just not in a good place with God right now. I mean, my relationship with the Lord is in not in a good place. And however you got into that place doesn't matter. What matters is what you do right now. If you would say today that my life is not where it needs to be with God, but I want to get things right. You know, maybe you've never let Jesus have control of your life. Just said, be the, be my savior, be the Lord of my life. I'm not saying you didn't believe in and recognize something about God and kingdom and Jesus, but you've never said, be real to me in my life. Take control of my life, Lord. So I'm going to ask all over the building, if you would say, that's me, Pastor, that's me. I have not. I am not right. I need to get right. I just want you to lift a hand up real quick, if you would, all over the building. Thank you over here, over here. Is there anyone else join these two that lifted their hand? Once you put it, thank you, way in the back there three. Anyone else here today that would say, that's me today? All over the building, let's take this opportunity to make things right today with the Lord. Is there anyone else? I believe the Holy Spirit's dealing with people in this building today. Once you've lifted your hand, you can put it down. Is there anyone else that would say, that's me, Pastor. That's my life. That's me today. Hallelujah. Would join these three that have raised their hand here this morning. All right. I want everybody to look up at me. We're going to pray in just a minute. When we pray together, the power of the prayers in what you believe doesn't matter if it's at the altar or it's at your chair. Doesn't matter if it's you alone or it's everybody praying with you. What matters is what are you believing in here? What are you believing in here? What's your attitude about it right here? When you pray these words, I believe the the words are not what save you, but it's. The reflection of your heart calling out to God that saves you. It's that it's real to you. We're all gonna pray with you because we love you and we wanna just join you in this great prayer. But I want you to believe this that when you ask God to forgive you, God forgives you. Though your sins were red as crimson, God makes them, makes you white as snow, friend. He cleans it out, it's done. You don't need to bring up the sin anymore, your failures, your shortcomings, because look, you're at at zero. Don't start going into the negative. You don't need to. Just focus on where you're going from here. Everybody, close your eyes and pray this prayer with me out loud if you would. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I turn from sin. I need your help. I have nowhere else to go, Lord. I cannot overcome on my own. I turn to you you for help. Help me, Jesus. Give Give me the life you've always wanted me to have. And I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a good hand for these three today, amen. Awesome, praise the Lord, incredible. Would you get anything out of this today? Amen, praise the Lord. This is going to be a phenomenal, I believe, a phenomenal year. Hallelujah. And you know, when you're at zero, you can only go up. God bless you. Have a great day today. Amen.